Hey there, Purpose Warriors. Welcome to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. This is Dr. Brunel from drbrunel.com, where we believe that every season in your life serves a greater purpose. If you're new to the podcast, here's what you need to know. We are a community of purpose warriors who believe that God's best version of ourselves is hidden on the inside of us, just waiting to be awakened as we grow in our relationship and continue to say yes to what God has called us to do in the earth. We know that God's purpose for our lives was preordained and the reason why he created us. So every other week, this podcast seeks to explore how to awaken to your purpose from a practical standpoint and become God's best version of you. And we do this by touching upon our five pillars of purpose, faith, relationship, identity, resiliency, and stewardship. If you want to know more about our five pillars of purpose, head over to my website at www.drvernell.com backslash podcast. So before we dive in, I need to share with you that this podcast is being brought to you by my new book, From Pain to Purpose, where I share actionable steps, biblical principles, and life lessons on how I discovered my purpose after a painful and unexpected divorce and was left to raise two children with more than a million dollars of debt, zero access, and a negative network. My book is available on my website, again, at www.drbrunel.com, also on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or wherever books are sold. So if you want to learn more about how to release limiting beliefs, overcome financial difficulties, experience radical breakthroughs, and step courageously into your purpose, then grab your copy today. And remember that God can use whatever unfair or unjust act, any rejection or hurtful experience, and transform your pain into your purpose. So let's jump right in. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Awaken to Purpose podcast. I have a very incredible guest today, Courage Molina. She is a faith coach and everyone's favorite Bible teacher. It's no surprise that her life work is to help ambitious, purpose-driven women to build extraordinary faith so that they have the confidence to go after the life that they really want. She believes that the foundation of becoming your most bold, confident, and courageous self is in the daily habit of studying and applying the word of God for your life. Courage is also an author and the host of the award-winning podcast, Dose of Courage. She is a wife and mother of three, currently residing in North Carolina. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Coach Courage is in the house. First of all, I'm yelling, hi guys. <laughs> and hot right from the start. Hi guys. <laughs> That's the toned down version of you, first of all. <laughs> I'll let the people warm up to me first before I go full in, okay? It's so funny because the fact that I called you Coach Courage, I had to call you Coach Courage because I had to give you deference because you were the coach in our famous P2P program with Patrice Washington. I mean, you brought that fire every time you spoke, I knew that the word of God was on your tongue. And so I just wanted to invite you here today to share your incredible story and your journey with God with the listeners. So I'm just going to turn it over to you so you can just jump right in. Okay. Well, thanks for that. I'm glad. It's definitely an honor to be a part of P2P, right? The famous P2P is is amazing to be a part of that. If I have to think of like where my story really starts, probably like 2011, maybe back that far is when I recognized that I was depressed. First of all, I was a teen parent, pregnant in ninth grade, had three kids before I was 21. They can't see your face, but your eyes are like, what? You said ninth grade. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't thinking you was going to say ninth grade. No judgment here. I was pregnant in ninth grade. (laughs) Your face was like, what? (laughs) Okay. It's all good. I was pregnant at the end of ninth grade. I had my first kid in 10th grade, right? Graduated from high school on time, went to college, all those things. Three kids before I was 21, married before I was 21 to my high school sweetheart, right? But fast forward to the darkest time of my life. And the reason I say fast forward is because there's some things that you notice in your life in retrospect. 
Right. So if I just told you the entire story, it was like, oh, I had a great life, had a boyfriend and we dated and it was great. But in 2011, all the things that I didn't see coming up to that point came to a head. I was depressed. I didn't realize I was depressed until I started fantasizing about suicide. Like, you know, it would be great if I died in my sleep were the thoughts that I had. I didn't necessarily want to do it myself in the beginning, but just like if the Lord would just take me while I sleep, that would be dope. Like if you could hook a sister up and just call me home in my sleep, right? Mm. My marriage was an absolute mess. When I tell people that we've been together for 25 years and we've been married for 20 It sounds like this amazing love story, but what people don't realize is that we were like 15 and 18 dating and having children. We knew nothing about communication or committed relationships. And so we inflicted a lot of wounds on one another. And Mm -hmm. those things that we dealt with stuck with me, right? They became my identity. I had a brother that was diagnosed with cancer. He's my cousin brother, right? So he's my cousin. Like you, my brother, right? We lived together when we were little. Our sisters, they lived in the same house when we were coming up. And we always lived really close to each other. He was diagnosed with cancer in 2011. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up going to church and stuff. And so he was, what, 30? I think he was 33 when he was diagnosed. And we really thought he was going to make it. He had right. bladder cancer. We prayed. We fasted. And it was the first time I can remember in my life where I felt like I desperately needed God to do something. Mm. I'm not saying it's never been true before then, but it's the first time that I felt like I desperately needed him to do something. And I watched him not do it every day, every time, every week. You could see that we were going in the wrong direction. I was drinking every day. I was probably a functioning alcoholic, but Because of what I drank and how I drank, it was probably like easy for people to not notice because I drank wine, which is socially acceptable, right? I drank it every day after work, right? I was in my home. I wasn't out at the club or at the bar, but I was drinking like a bottle, maybe not from the bottle, but a bottle. And it was the thing that I needed to just numb. I was holding my breath all day, just trying to get through the day. And I just needed that. And so all of these things are going on at the same time. And there is nothing, in my opinion, heavier than hope. You know, hope just feels so heavy, hoping that something else is going to happen. Like you're pulling on it. You're pulling on it like a rope. You're like, please, please, let's not go that way. Let us not go down that path. But we went down that path. And I was just devastated. And when I say devastated, I mean, I honestly felt like the sun was never going to shine again. My life changed when Toucan passed. That's his nickname. My life changed, not just because we lost him, right? That's sad. But he was my, like, this is my dude, though. You know what I'm saying? My Saturday mornings changed while he was sick because he was the one I talked to, was telling me what the cousins, <laughs> telling me what the other cousins was up to. Well, you know she's pregnant. Yeah, she pregnant. Oh, you know he back in jail. He was the one that kind of kept me up to date. He allowed me to be lazy in my family. I didn't have to maintain relationships because he did such a great job of that. And so I could keep up with people through him. Mm. I just couldn't believe it. And during that time of my drinking and my husband and I fighting all the time, not taking care of my kids, I just couldn't. Like, I just was unable to do the things that you need to do every day. I just couldn't do them. But I didn't realize how bad I was until I started begging for death which I know is crazy in retrospect. Like you didn't know before then. I didn't, I knew I was sad, but my life was a mess. Like you think it's okay to be, when your life is a mess, by the way, it's Mm -hmm. normal for you to be sad. Mm -hmm. So my life was a mess. My husband and I were fighting all the time. When you are married and it doesn't seem like the marriage is gonna work, you're stressed out. When you have a loved one that's fighting for their life, you are sad and stressed out. Mm -hmm. All of these things. So you think that it is normal for you to feel that way. But depression, that came on me before then, right? I was putting down the markers for it long before this happened. This was just the catalyst that pushed me over the edge, right? Because what I realized in that season was that if my marriage wasn't going to work out, then I had no value as a person. My value as a person depended on the status of my marriage, So I did all this praying, the prayers of the righteous availeth much, 
I've never seen the prayers of the righteous forsaken. La, 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 as far as I was concerned at the time. I was like, well, we prayed, we fasted. So am I not righteous? What does that say about me? Even God doesn't care about my request. Like even God doesn't care enough to do this thing for me. My husband would be better off without me. My kids, my family, my friends would be better off without me. It was just such a dark time in my life. And I honestly felt like the sun wouldn't shine. But what happens is after you spend that time in the dark, people want you to go back to yourself. People are like, okay, yeah, he was sick and now he's passed. And there has been some time that has passed. So now it is time for you to get back to normal, whatever that means. And so I just faked it. I just was like, okay, I got up. I went to work. I just went back to the motions. I'm going to work. I'm going to church. But on the inside, I was just still so dark, still crying at night, still wanting the Lord to take me. Then I had this lady. She invited me to her church. I'm just trying to be honest, okay? So don't y'all judge me. Don't y'all send me no Listen, we don't have the right to do that. We don't don't have the right to judge anybody. We just don't. Because if we really opened up our lives to everyone else, folks would be shocked, right? Right. No, there's no judgment here. Keep going. (laughs) This lady invited me to her church. She was my friend from work. She's a white lady. I went at the time to a black Baptist church. And she was like, oh, she was a music teacher. She wanted to go with me to my church because she loves black music, choir music. She was like, oh, you know, I just love it. I was like, okay, cool. So I took her with me, whatever. Then she was bugging me every day. When am I going to church with her? I'm like, I'm not going to church with you. I don't want to hear your church music. Like, you know what I'm saying? I don't. I'm like, what kind of church you go to? And she told me Elevation. I was like, oh, they super white. I'm down. I was like, no. <laughs> no gospel music. Oh, I was like, I'm definitely not going. But do you know she would not let up? And I was like, Pam, fine. She's like, get your calendar. We're going. So I meet her at this church and there is a line outside. I don't like that. Okay. I got an attitude in the parking lot. This is not Disney world. He is not Jesus. I do not want to go in here, but whatever. I'm here with Pam. We get there. These people are so happy and they're smiling and I'm not happy. I'm not even really a fan of God. If I'm honest, I'm just going because I got to get back to doing regular things. And that means church on Sunday. Get in there. It sounds like house music is playing. I'm like, man, I don't want to get myself into Keep it real. Keep it real. I don't don't know what kind of church this is. I don't know what these people doing in here. So Mm -hmm. we get in there. We're sitting down. This little white dude gets up on stage. And he says, sometimes this life with God can be disappointing. And I said, amen. Everybody's quiet. This is not an amen point. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not a space. If you go to church, you know when you're supposed to clap. That spot isn't it. But I was like, oh, he preaching today. Because <laughs> your girl is disappointed. Yes, this is beautiful. I'm disappointed. Let's go, sir. I might be listening now. And he preached from this scripture that I prayed while my cousin was sick. It was the scripture of Lazarus, right? So Jesus comes finally after the four days after he already knew that Lazarus had died. And Martha comes and she's like, hey, man, where you been? If you had been here, my brother wouldn't even be dead. Like, bro, you tripping. And so she's mad and she's disappointed that he didn't come while he was sick. He doesn't move on. If you know that story, then, you know, he goes to the graveyard and he calls him and he gets up. And so it's all good. He's like, yeah, but when her brother died, she didn't know that Jesus was going to come. It had been four days. It wasn't like he was a little dead. He was dead, dead, right? He was like, and sometimes that's where we are. We're in this middle space where we can't see the goodness of God yet. He was like, sometimes this life with God can be disappointing and God is good. That was just the first time that I ever considered that I could be pissed, Mm -hmm. disappointed, and God could still be good. I was like, huh, okay. I was like, you know, I was like, he did all right. And I went to that church and I have been going to that church ever since then, since 2013. Every week he preached in such a way that I was like, maybe I can give God a chance. Like maybe instead of just coming to church on Sunday, I live in the South and it is cultural. It's not a lifestyle, right? It's mm-hmm. not a belief system. For some it is, but it is a cultural thing to go to church on Sunday. It doesn't really speak anything. This is just what people expect you to do in the South. And so I was just doing the cultural thing. I'm Christian. I'm black. We go to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We've been all week long, but I'm going to be in church on Sunday. And so I thought, well, you know what? 
I might be able to give God a chance, like a chance chance. The way that Pastor Stephen preached, I felt like he really know the Bible. That's what I thought. He like, he really know the Bible. Like this dude is talking like he really know the Bible. And I was like, I want to know the Bible like that. How come he know the Bible? I want to know the Bible like that. Wait a minute. Let me ask you something real quick because it's so funny. I'm a huge fan of Pastor Steve Furtick. And I know when someone first sent me a message from him, I was like, oh, I'm not going to listen to this. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, I know this message is not going to resonate with me. And boy, I mean, God really has a way of saying to you, my word is my word. Yeah. Right. So whoever is preaching my word, I put my word in their mouth. You need to hear it. And so, I mean, for me, it just broke down a lot of those cultural norms that you're talking about in the black community and going to church and then listening to someone preach who is not black. That's real talk. And so I'm curious to know, does Pastor Steve even know your story and the impact that he's had on your life? I would like to think that he does. Right. Because We were very active at our campus. It's a very large church. And he says from stage all the time, don't send him no books. He's not reading books. Don't send him none. He ain't reading it. He ain't calling none of that. Mm -hmm. But I had a lady that I knew that worked at the church. And so when I wrote my book, I wrote in the front of it and I highlighted all the pages that referenced him. And I was like, I need you to get this to him. She's like, you know, I'm gonna get a lot of questions. People are going to be looking at me because he's got people. And I was like, I know, but I trusted her because she knew me. She knew my story. She saw my growth at my campus. And so I knew that she would do it. And I told her, I was like, he doesn't have to read it. He doesn't even have to say anything to me. I don't need him to say nothing. I'm like, but he needs to know that I'm a part of his fruit. Like what he's doing, I don't know. Maybe he ain't helping nobody else. I can't speak for another soul on this planet. I'm like, but I need for him to know Mm-hmm. That what he does on Sunday, this is the impact. This is the level of the impact it has had on my life, just being here. That it saved my life, that it saved my marriage, it changed my family. It completely changed the trajectory of my life. I'm like, and I need him to know that. And so she made sure he got it. That was it. So I would like to think that he knows. I hope so. It was so important for me. It's a good question. Nobody's ever asked me that. (laughs) It was so important to me for him to know. I know sometimes you might feel like, do people need to hear me, baby? (laughs) Let me be the one. Keep getting up on stage. Thank you, sir. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, no. I love that. He's impacted my life in such a tremendous way. I have read many of his books. (laughs) I've highlighted so much. And I was like, Boy, he is bringing the fire. I mean, loving his posts, loving his excerpts, loving his sermon. So I love that. I'm sorry to interrupt you because I know you were just talking about not only how Pastor Steve just made that impact and going to Elevation Church really made that impact, but you were talking specifically about his knowledge of the word and how you wanted to also know the word of God. Like, I want to do that. I want to learn that. I want to know the word. So go ahead and continue with that thought that you were having about it. I felt like he must, I just felt like he must really know God. Like people say they know God. I'm like, they don't know God. But I felt like he might really know him. And he looks like he really knows this word. And I just thought like, oh, I wonder what that looked like. I wonder how he got here. How did he get here? I'm not knocking seminary, but I've been to a lot of churches. And most of the churches I've been to, people have been to seminary. Everybody don't preach in a way that, you know what I'm saying? They are breaking down the word this way, like from this place of wisdom. And so... He preached this sermon. It was like a tithing sermon, right? 10% of your give and 10% and whatever. And this is what the Lord will do. But I started to think, what would it look like if I gave God 10% of my day, right? Like, what would that look like? So he's talking about anything that I give to God, God's going to multiply and God's going to do whatever. And he said, not just money, but also my time and my talent and all of these things. If I gave my first fruit to God, like, and I was like, oh, I wonder what it would look like. Pulled out my calculator. 2.4 hours, which is two hours and 24 minutes. Anybody got two hours and 24 minutes? I was like, no, I'm not about to do that. (laughs) No. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I was teaching. I had three elementary school kids. No, Micah was probably not in school. I had three school-age kids, had a dog and a cat. I had a husband. I had a marriage that was still very rocky. I don't have two hours and 24 minutes. Like, ain't nobody got that kind of time. I'm not about to do it. But I could not shake it. Like I couldn't shake, but what if? And so I worked my way up to studying the Bible for two hours and 24 minutes a day. 
and I devoured it. Like anything I could get my hands on, anything that could help me to understand the word of God better. It was like, I was trying to get a PhD in Jesus. I would use a sermon as an independent study. Like my secret superpower is curriculum, right? I'm a nerd and I've been a nerd for a very long time. And so I can come up with a little test, a quiz, notes, lessons, even if nobody else is going to use them. And I would do that with the sermons. If he referenced a scripture, then I would read the entire chapter. I got to a place where I would read the entire book and take notes. Like, and I was reading the book in a week, right? I needed to read it in a week because the next week there was a new sermon. When I tell you that changed me, I mean, it took years, like over time. And so that's why I say it is spending time in the word of God for yourself, because I grew up going to church and that Sunday sermon is not enough. When you find out somebody is dying, if the only faith you got is built on the Sunday sermon or Wednesday night Bible study or what your grandma said to you, everything is spoon fed and highly processed. Word of God is artificial, right? It's not even natural. Somebody else it's man-made. The message you got was a man-made message mm-hmm. that just don't hit right. When your marriage is falling apart, whether you stay or go, the amount of strength that's required for you to heal, to believe that something better can happen because we get so like attached to our roles, right? So mm-hmm. attached to our roles. We don't even know it. We don't even, I don't think it's a conscious thing. It's just, we hear it all the time, right? There's this stigma like, oh my gosh, she's divorced. Oh my gosh, she's, been, oh, she's still single. Like, girl, first of all, mind your business. But you know, it's that thing. <laughs> it's the thing that does that. And so after I came out of the dark, it was like, <sighs> everybody needs, like everybody like, how did I get here? How did I get from a place where I wanted to die Mm -hmm. to a place where I want to help other women not feel like I felt like I didn't even really know what that looked like. I'm just like, other people need to know this. Cause I think if other people knew what I know, they would be happier. They would be better. Like, Mm -hmm. how did I get here? And it was in that looking back that I developed the power principles of courageous living. I'm like, okay, let me look at these things. How did I get here? Understanding my identity, being able to forgive myself and the people who have hurt me and the fact that I've hurt people, the fact that I've let myself down, right? Putting my faith to work and having positive relationships and being focused on my overall growth. Those five things helped me to get out of the dark. The reason I was in the dark well, I just want to slow down because I know I've sped up. I'm going to slow down. That's okay. First of all, I can keep up. <laughs> you don't slow down some of this stuff. But go ahead. Now keep going, Courage. I can slow down. Here's the thing. Depression and anxiety and those things, and I'm nobody's doctor. From my experience, it's because we lose sight of who we are. We start to find our identity in the things that we have accomplished and our failures what has happened to us, what we have done. And so when my identity is in all these things that change all the time, then my own self-worth also then changes all the time. And so I become more prone to depression and anxiety during a difficult season instead of having some type of foundational strength to lean on. Right. But if we can get back to a place where I find my identity in Christ, He is never changing. So that means married, single, divorce, crisis the same. Kids, no kids, abortion, miscarriage, God is still the same. I may not be a mom, but my identity is found in Christ. I may be a wife or I might be single, but my identity is found in Christ. Maybe you had a high paying job and now that's no longer a thing. Guess what? My identity is found in Christ. And so when your identity is stable, then it allows you to get your footing as you navigate the role changes, right? As you transition from one role to another in different phases and stages of life. But without that foundation, we just get tossed about. And that requires a real understanding of the word. Not this super high saint, you know, this super high saint level, but a real understanding of the word of God so that I can understand who I am and I can understand not just who I belong to, but understand the character of who I belong to, right? 
Like, not just like, oh, I'm God's. What does that even mean? That's only a big deal if you really understand who God is. And we say we understand who God is, but when the trials and tribulations of life come and shake us and we're no longer these strong people, I'm not talking about you're going through a season. I'm saying that you have now adjusted your worth as a human being. You don't know who God is and you don't know who you are. Because if you did, you would approach those problems differently. Your posture changes when you know who you belong to. You walk different like, oh, no, we run this. That's my attitude. I don't care where I am. Do you hear me? I don't care who house, what space. We Listen, we in here. We in here. Hey, we in here. So thinking about people who are going through their own personal hell and they're barely holding on. And one sermon, they might listen to a sermon and it may not even do anything for them. Where can they start in the word of God, right? So all the things that you're talking about, give us some practical steps, because what it sounds like for you anyway, is that this was a very long process. This just didn't happen overnight. You just didn't listen to Pastor Steve one time, two times, three times, four times. This was ongoing discipline and habit that you just developed. And you kind of shared your why. Can you share kind of like some practical steps? Like where can people even start? I would start a verse a day which is so hard for me to say that, but I want people to start. (laughs) I'm like, well, actually they need to start on day one. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I think a verse today works, a verse that resonates with you, a verse that speaks to you. Maybe it's something that you feel like it's something that you should hold on to. Um, And if you don't have your own verse, then I would say the gospel of John, right? So now you have some options, either your go-to verse or the gospel of John. But here's the difference, right? It's not enough for you to go to the word. You need a system, a method to really break down and understand that verse. I created a method called the bold method. I'm also a fan of the soap method. The bold method requires you to slow way down and take some time and to consider, right? And so bold is an acronym. It's just about being a witness. B is be a witness. What did the scripture say? What is your own summary of that verse, right? Not what it means to you. Just pretend like you're a witness to a crime. Who said it? (laughs) Because we get so far ahead. When we start to break down the word, we get so far ahead. It's like, well, this means to me, no, it don't mean nothing to you, girl. What happened? Who said it? Who did they say it to? They didn't say it to you because you weren't there. So who were they talking to? Who was this going to be written to? Who did the writer expect to read this. It's not you. I love y'all. It ain't y'all though, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's going to give you a deeper understanding of the context. So the first one is just like, be a witness. Who said it? Who did they say it to? What had happened? That's it. Just <laughs> witness to a crime. What had happened was Jesus said they was arguing. He was like, what y'all are? Like, it can just be stop, just your own language. Mm-hmm. And then O is to observe. Okay, now you're going to talk about what it meant to the people in the scripture, not what it means to you. Anybody talking to you yet? Because right? we rush right there. This is the thing that people say. People say, well, it just depends on how you interpret it. Okay, that's true. But it's either a right interpretation or it isn't. There aren't multiple different right interpretations of one verse. That's not what it is. There's a right one. The others are wrong. Mm-hmm. That's why the word of God says we have to rightly interpret, which implies there is a right way and a wrong way, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. And so the way that we can reduce the risk of misinterpreting is when we get to that observation, what does it mean for them? What did God want them to do? How did the speaker want them to respond? Mm-hmm. Just that insight. And then L is the learn. What did you learn about God from this verse? What attribute? Well, God is an encourager. I can see that in this verse. God gave instruction. I can see that in this particular verse. What did you learn about God? What lessons did you learn? What did you learn about yourself? Because it's not enough for us to read and study the word. We have to allow the word to read and study us, to Mm -hmm. get in and do an operation. That's where transformation comes in. When we allow the word to get in and expose the things that we didn't know were there. Some of the things we knew was there, but we thought we hid them. And the word was like, you ain't had it good. It's right here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then D, do and declare. What does God want you to do with that? It's not enough for us to be here as we also have to be doers of the word of God. What does God want you to do? So now you have this summary. You saw what it meant for them. You learned some things. Okay, now what? 
What does that mean? Not this vague, like, oh, I'm going to trust God more. Okay, that's cute. How? By keeping your mouth shut when it comes to your husband, by saving your money, by having a budget. You're going to trust God more. What does that actually look like in real life? Not in this generic term. First of all, that was so deep. (laughs) But B, what are you going to do, right? Because I so often hear people I don't know if they're like spiritual cliches that we just get so accustomed to saying, I'm just going to trust God. And you hear people say that. And then some people are like, what does that mean? And what does that look like for someone who has grown up and they've grown up with a spirit of mistrust? How do you trust someone when you don't trust yourself, nor do you trust the people around you? So I love the method that you are introducing to people and having people walk through as they are reading God's word. And I don't think a lot of us spend enough time studying. So we might read it. <laughs> but what you're talking about is what I think Pastor Darius Daniel talks about, which is squeezing the scripture, getting all the juice out of it. Don't just read it just for the sake of reading it, but to study it, you have to analyze it. And then more importantly, I think we always oftentimes leave out this critical and key step, which is to do. There are things that we are supposed to do. God requires our participation. (laughs) Now, there are some things that are going to happen by way of miracle, but not everything is a miracle in that way, right? There's things that we have to do. We have to take ownership and responsibility of things that God has called and commissioned us to do. So I just love, love hearing that. (laughs) I know the women in your group are like, hey, 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 hey. You can read the Bible with a different lens when you have a method to study the word of God. So thank you so much for introducing that. I'm like, I'm about to hop over to your website. Go on over there. Listen, there are several bold journals available for your purchase. Go right on head over there. Yes, courage. First of all, I mean, that was so good. You know, and I'm not lying when I say this. When we get off, I'm about to hop over to your way. <laughs> and take a look at some of those resources because sometimes we can get lost. I think sometimes it is. We just go to church on Sunday. Amen. Yeah. Amen. And then we act whatever way we going to act. And then we're trying to figure out like, Lord, why am I so stuck? Why am I not getting revelation? And then you start going through a season of comparison. Well, look what they had. Look, well, I guess, you know, the Lord is listening to you and he's not listening to me. Yes. <laughs> not true. God always hears and God is always speaking. Mm. Listen, get into it. I'm going to tell you right now, that is what builds the strength, right? If I can get into the word for myself and I can hear God speak to me and speak to a situation that I'm in. So I read this scripture. We all got the same interpretation, but the application depends on who you are and where you are. When you realize that I can get in the word for myself and get a word for my situation, you begin to trust God and your own ability to hear a word from God, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's like, well, I can't hear. I've been studying. I read it, but it don't make no sense. Well, maybe mm-hmm. you need a better method. Maybe you need to slow down. I love Dr. Darius Daniels. And I think it's important to ask people, right? Like if you know someone else and you feel like, oh, this person is really, they seem to really know the word. Hey, what do you do? I ask people questions all the time. Hey, what is your morning routine like? Cause I don't need a morning routine. Or hey, what's your house cleaning schedule like? Cause baby, my, I got clothes over, right? Because somebody is doing something successfully. It's mm-hmm. not a secret. They just don't realize that it's something that you need, right? I love Dr. Darius Daniels and the way that he preaches. It's one of my favorite, as well as Pastor Stephen Furtick, Mike Todd. And I'm going to tell you, I stuck those three together. I'm not saying that there aren't others, but Mm -hmm. those three specifically, the way that they deliver, right? I don't want to say it's academic, but the way that they deliver the word, it allows you to leave every sermon with an assignment Mm -hmm. if you want one. Now, everybody ain't going to do their homework, friends. Some people like, oh, she said... Oh, Miss Melina, I didn't know we had homework (laughs) because you didn't want to know we had homework. You was trying not to know there was a homework assignment (laughs) at the end of the day. I love their style of preaching, but I think most importantly, anyway, for Darius Daniels and definitely for Pastor C. Furtick is that I really look at them as not just preachers, but they're teachers of the word. Yes. And so I think that there is a critical difference between when you are preaching God's word and when you are trying to teach God's word. Yes. And so that's one of the things that you are trying to do is you are trying to not only help 
people study for themselves. You're trying to teach people something to arm themselves with information that they need to make it through their everyday life when Sunday is not enough. So that's one of the key elements that they get when they participate in the Dose of Courage community and when they're part of your Bible study. So I love even hearing that, Courage. Okay, first of all, I'm gonna have to kind of like wrap us up and close us out because guess what? We will be on this all day talking about Jesus, 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 God, God, God. And I know you have stuff to do. Courage is going to be yet again a coach in Purpose to Platform with Patrice Washington, and she has to pull herself together. But anyway, I want to know kind of like from your story, Courage, what life lessons have you learned about God's purpose for your life? Wow, that's how we close it? That's how we go. We about to go through it. <laughs> <laughs> that's how we close it. What life lessons have I learned? This is what I've learned, that even once you gotten to a place where you understand that you have a purpose, it is 100% your responsibility to bring that thing to life. It's your responsibility to do your part. I'm not saying that God doesn't have a part, but we don't need to talk about God's part because his record is unblemished. You inconsistent at best sometimes. No tea, no shade, no pink lemonade, right? Like you start something, then don't, that's not y'all. Okay, that's just me then. I will start something and be like, oh no, squirrel. Oh, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's absolutely your responsibility because you're not owed your dream. You know, nobody owe you nothing. And I don't want you to get in this space. I love faith-built women where it's like, oh, I'm standing on the promises of God. Cool. How are you doing the work? Because those promises are conditional. I mean, I know y'all don't like to hear that, but okay. they are conditional. I can say that with certainty because it's in the word. Abraham had a promise from God. There was a covenant. Abraham had to have some skin in the game, literal skin. Y'all better get in that. Genesis right. Skin <laughs> in the game. You understand what I'm saying? They had to do things, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't just like, oh, I promise you this. And then you just chill. No, girl. Okay, cool. You have a purpose. It is your responsibility to get up and go out and do your part. Whatever you don't know, you need to figure out. Whatever you don't know, you can start with Google. I want to know where to start. Okay, well, Google. You can put, I mean, you can literally put anything in it, please. So what did your Google search give you, right? What did Google tell you about writing your book, about starting a podcast, about starting a ministry, about starting a business, about growing your faith, about mindfulness, about health and wellness? Like, miss me with the I don't know where to start. Start with Google. That's a freebie for you. I'm going to charge off for that good advice. G-O-O-G-L-E dot com, right? And that will help you to funnel in like, okay, well, maybe I need to do this or maybe I've gotten as far as I can with Google. And so now I need to invest. It is your responsibility to get an understanding and to get trained for the work. That's all throughout the word. Like, I don't know why you think you are old. This promise, you are not. The Bible does not say that. He's going to do these things in and through your life according to your obedience. Did you do what he set for you to do? Are you trying to make it work? Are you planting seeds? Did you water the grass? Okay, you found out that you had critters. Did you go out to get those critters? Oh, you realize this is not the right environment for your gift. It's your responsibility to move your gift to a new space. You realize that the people on your team aren't the right people. Okay, well, it's your responsibility to find a new team. Like, it's our responsibility. And the Bible says that it's going to cost all you have. I know some of y'all think y'all going to do it for free. You will not. That's why I love the Bible, because I feel like you ain't got to like me. You ain't got to know me. But if you know the word, listen, I can get with you with that. You said get understanding. Though you don't understand publishing. Are you with me? You don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) you don't understand YouTube. You don't understand how to do these things. The word of God says, get understanding though. It costs you all you have. He wants skilled workers, not just talent. I'm going to stop. Okay, go ahead. Listen, listen, first of all, I don't know if people edges are still in place after listening (laughs) to what you just said. The chief Edge snatcher, okay. I'm about to give you that title away from Patrice. Okay, we That's don't why we roll so tight. That's why we roll okay. so tight. Oh, first of all, listen, I listened to this for 20 weeks <laughs> of her hazing and doing that, but it was so good and it helped me in such a significant way. And I just love everything that you talked about. And it's so funny because in a couple of weeks, I'm launching my little purpose clarity collection t shirt line. And one of the t-shirts that I have is purpose requires participation. Come on. 
Listen, <laughs> I love you. You can listen. I'm gonna buy one of them t-shirts, baby. <laughs> That's so good. And again, like I said, I know courage can go on and on, and I want to keep hearing it. Anyway, I'm gonna get through these questions. So, what advice would you offer listeners on awakening to God's purpose for their lives? There's only one thing, right? The first thing is you already know it. And there's somebody right now who's saying, I don't know it. You do. If you're saying you don't know it, then there's a trust issue there, right? And so I just want to encourage you to go back to the previous advice I said and start with the scripture a day. Start with the book of John because he's been revealing it to you. This is not a situation where you seek and you cannot find. So if you've been seeking to find your purpose and you haven't found it, it's because you look key scared. And so that fear makes you blind to it. You're unable at this time to give voice to it, but you know it. And so if you're saying, I don't know it, okay, cool. Then your focus right now is just developing a relationship and people don't like to hear that, but it's the trust in God that gives you the courage to say that your purpose is what it is. It took me a very long time to say that my purpose is what it is. I can tell you today that back then I said, I didn't know it, but I lied. <laughs> I was scared, right? Like, I, was so scared. I knew then, right? I just couldn't say it. I was like, well, that can't be. I just continued to disqualify the idea that it was my purpose, that God could do, like all of these things. So if you asked me a few years ago, I was like, no, I don't, you know, I don't really know. I think this is my purpose. But now that I'm standing in it, I can tell you, well, I remember this time and this time where I thought to myself, wouldn't it be cool if I could get paid to study the Bible? I thought that in 2014, mm-hmm. I didn't say yes. I didn't give God my real yes till 2019. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was just a partial yes. I gave him a second yes. in 20. You understand what I'm saying? You can give God yeses even when you are petrified. Hello, yeah. that was me. I was like, Lord, they going to be in my business, Jesus. <laughs> Why do you have to step out of hiding and do this thing, right? I was afraid of the gifts that God planted on the inside of me. I was afraid of who God called me to be, right? I didn't need nobody else to tear me down because I was already doing it myself. (laughs) I was beating myself up. Okay, so Courage, what does it mean to become God's best version of you? To become more like Christ? Mm -hmm. The best version of me is more and more like Christ every day. It makes no sense. It seems foolish. Every single day. And the only way you know that is, I'm going to keep saying this over and over, is to get in the word. Mm-hmm. Because the world does not look like the word, even when it seems nice and right. Christian, well-meaning Christians will say things like, you know, you got to protect your peace. You got to protect your peace unless God has sent you into a place of chaos. Like, protect your peace unless that's where your assignment is at. Your assignment is over there in enemy's territory. Now, okay, well, guess your peace is out the window if your peace is standing in the way of what God has called you to do. So becoming the best version of myself is becoming more and more like Christ every day. First of all, you know, I want to jump through this screen because everything you said is so good (laughs) and it's so hard. You have to do the work. I remember reading where Jesus was saying, I'm not harsh, hard, sharp, or pressing, but I'm gentle, meek, lowly, and humble. And I used to be like, well, that's you. (laughs) (laughs) I really needed Jesus to really help me to not be harsh in the way that I communicated to people. Help me to be more gentle and help me to be more meek. I don't always have to clap back. Jesus was the king of the clapback. Yeah, I got a clap. You can do things in love. And so it was a lot of things of becoming more like Christ is definitely contrary to what you see in culture. Yeah. Sometimes contrary to what you see in church. Yes. Keeping it real. Christ has got to be the standard, not culture and not the church. Mm -hmm. And see, this is the thing. I fall so short of it. If Christ is your standard, if you allow Christ to be your standard, it puts you in a place where you always have to give grace, right? Because the default is to be like, first of all, she tried it. And the Lord be like, you tried to be like, you know what, God, (laughs) right? When your standard is Christ and not culture and not church, baby, the Holy Spirit will snap you right back together. It allows you to give more grace, to show people more compassion, to assume the best, to give people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, Christ is Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're like, well, I guess I got to let that go. Yeah. We like Jesus today. So Uh girl, you should love Jesus. I used to say that in the beginning when I first came, (laughs) I used to be like, girl, the Lord saved you. You better go home and thank him today. Okay. 
That's why you said the Lord has saved you, brother. The Lord saves today. I used to be so wretched. But when I first got into it, I was like, oh, the Lord out here saving folks left and right. They don't even know. Yeah. I've been saved so many times. It's not even ridiculous. Save oh. for myself, mainly. Yes. <laughs> save me for me, Jesus. So what is one thing that you know about God that you wish the whole world knew? God has a reckless, active, and present love for you. It is reckless. He will tear something up. He will tear it down about you. You know what I'm saying? It is active. It's not just like, oh, he's waiting on you for him to show his love. And it's right now. It's not later or before, or maybe he used to look like it is reckless. It is active. It is present. First of all, that was so good. What you're saying and what I felt anyway, is that God loves you no matter what. Yes. And I know when I was going through a season of feeling unloved, the fact that I knew that the creator of the universe loved me, Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm lovable to him. (laughs) Maybe not to you, but he loves me. And I think that really pulled me through a really difficult time in my life. When you feel unloved and you read in the scripture how much God loves you, he made the earth inhabitable for you. That's how much he loves you. All the stuff that you see around you, he made it, he did it. And so then I'm like, Okay. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Oh my gosh. Courage. Okay. So if people wanted to reach out to you, where would they find you? How could they do it? Well, they could Google me. (laughs) (laughs) Courage Molina. I'm no, seriously. I'm Courage Molina everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, and then check me out on my website, Courage Molina.org. I'd love for you to join me for Bible study on Saturday morning. And tell us a little bit about that Dose of Courage community. Listen, Dose of Courage community is officially a church. Holla at your girl. According to the state, right? You didn't know that, right? You didn't know that. (laughs) Another big eye moment. (laughs) (laughs) It is. It's certainly non-traditional, but I can do that because I know who I am and I know who I belong to, right? So I can do it the way he's given me the freedom to do it. Dose of Courage community is a church for women. It's an online, global church for women. And we meet Saturday morning at 8 a.m. for Bible study. We are in the word. I teach every single Saturday and women log on and we have discussion. It is not just like, it's not streamed. People are in bonnets. They in pajamas. We in in the building. Yes, we in there. Not the bonnets. It's absolutely, listen, bonnets are welcome. I'm like, bras are optional. Bonnets are welcome, right? Just come just as you are praying for each other and holding each other accountable. There is nothing like hearing women share what they have learned for themselves during the week as they've gone along with us in the study. So we get the same interpretation, but for this woman, it means she needs to fight for her marriage. For this other woman, it means that she needs to stand in the gap. You know what I mean? It's just, it's a beautiful thing. And they've gotten to a place, especially the ones that have been coming for a long time, where they can do exactly what we want to be able to do, which is I can get in the word and get a word from God for myself without another person involved. I can hear God speak to me right through his word. And so it's amazing, man. Come and be a part of it. And tell us a little bit about the courses that you offer as well. Yes. Okay. You're leaving stuff out. I'm over here. We have a Courageous Faith membership. I feel like that's the first tier, right? Courageous Faith. It's a year-long membership. It is for the woman of faith who wants to build a daily habit of studying the word of God. There's accountability provide training, all of that, all year long with a group of amazing women who are also doing the same thing. When I say I hold you accountable, I will be in your inbox. I will be on your phone. We don't play. We serious. (laughs) (laughs) So if it's like, okay, I know what I want to study. I just don't know where to start. I don't know how to start. I don't know how to study. Courageous faith membership, absolutely. So that you can build courageous faith so you can be who God has called you to be, right? Courageous discipleship is different. It's not warm and fuzzy over there. I just want to preface that it's not a warm and fuzzy space. It is much more academic. It's housed at Courage Molina University. And so that is the mindset that you need to have when you enroll, that you have just enrolled in a course. It's 12 weeks long and it is 
I hear, I don't necessarily always agree, but I hear it's rather intense. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, it's intense. <laughs> like, I got to fuck you. Right. But you know what? Sometimes that's exactly what we need. I mean, it's yeah. so funny because I think about how we hire trainers, right? To help us strengthen our muscles, to make us stronger physically. You also might need to hire somebody to help you in these key and critical areas because this is about transformation of your mind and transformation of your life. It is worth investing in. I love that you have all of these different opportunities for women to come and to connect and to grow in the word of God. Listen, no more excuses. That's what we need to have t-shirts on. You cannot now make any more excuses. Oh, I just don't know. Because I brought somebody on here that says, I am here to help you. God has gifted me to have this ministry to help women just like you. Okay. When Google fails, because it will, because there's some stuff on there that is not scripturally sound. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We need a coach, an accountability partner, a community, faith-filled, purpose-driven women, then definitely check out Courage Molina. I love it. And I am so proud of you, sis. I want to thank you so much for this opportunity today to just be on here, to love on you and to have this community, have an opportunity to hear all the amazing things that you're doing and the journey that you're embarking upon. Right. So I'm so appreciative of you. I thank you so much. Such a blessing to get to know you. I was like, when I first started hearing you speak, when we were in P2P, I was like, oh Lord, she's a real deal. She ain't (laughs) she's the real deal trust me when i say that she has a love and a heart for the father it may not be pretty but what she's going to teach you will be life-changing and life-altering so i just so appreciate you yet again i cannot thank you enough for coming on here I'm just like, you see, I'm over here jogging her. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm always so blessed and so honored when somebody's like, do you want to be on my podcast? I'm like, oh my gosh, they want me to do it. I'm like, yes, of course. I love it. Any opportunity I have to speak to amazing women about the word, I'm like, yes, let's do it. Let's do it. So thank you so much. I don't take it lightly. I appreciate it. I was you. like, Lord, am I worthy to ask her? <laughs> Like, Lord, can I reach out to her father? You know, because it is one of those things where it's just like, Lord, he got to be the right person. Right. Right. That's going to speak into the lives of people who are listening to this podcast, because I don't want to just choose people at random all the time. Like, I'm like, Lord, are you sure? Like, (laughs) And then it's like, for the ones I'm like, Lord, are you sure? The other ones are like, Lord, can I? (laughs) Let's stay hard, Lord, because I'm about to reach out. So again, Courage, thank you so much for coming on today. Again, it's been an honor and a privilege to have you on today. I know I've said it like 10 million times. I will say it 10 million more times because you are that fantastic. And I just- Thank you, thank you. you Dr. Vernell. I was like, I'm about to go on Dr. Vernell's podcast, baby. Your girl has arrived. Hi, people. Hello. <laughs> okay, thank you again, Courage. Thank you so much. Beyond my book, if you're interested in learning more about how to become God's best version of yourself by awakening to your purpose, consider enrolling in my online course, which you'll find on my website again, which is www.drvernell.com because God's love for you and the reason why he created you is greater than you will ever know. And guess what? He wants you to succeed in carrying out your purpose.